I have a certain way that I put sermons together. I normally come up here, you might find this surprising from how elementary my sermons are, but I normally come up here with about six or seven pages worth of notes. I know everything I'm going to say. I know every joke I'm going to say and every story I'm going to say. I've had one of those weeks this week, so today we're just going to freestyle a little bit. I ain't freestyled much. I got about a half page of notes. I got five sentences on a piece of paper and a bunch of scripture verses, so it's going to be interesting. We're going to try to go from memory today. We're going to try to throw out some overflow, if you will. There's times you preach from your times of study, and there's times you preach from your times of overflow, the overflow of being in God's Word. And we're starting a new series today called David, a case study in the heart of a warrior. David, I don't know if you can hear that. It seems like it's ringing a little bit up here. I'm sure you're already on it. But, um, man, David is an interesting character in the Bible. He might be the most intriguing character in the Bible. Next to Jesus and next to Paul, there's probably uh, maybe debatable Moses. There's probably nobody who gets more time, story-wise, if you will, in the Bible than David. The little shepherd boy who was a nobody, who gets anointed to be king, grows up, kills the giant, Uh, goes on to make Israel the most powerful nation in the entire world, sins, almost loses everything in the process of building this great kingdom, um, in this process of building the first ever uh, temple for the Lord, the first place they could actually go and worship. uh, His children go into rebellion. David is just one of those stories that proves to us that God uses messed up people. You look at David, and you think, here he is, man, he's the king. If anybody should have it together, not just a king, he's the king. I mean, he he grew Israel through war and leadership into this powerful nation. Yet behind the scenes, he's constantly messing up. He's constantly screwing up. He's constantly doing stupid stuff. He's constantly doing those things as you're watching the story, and you're thinking to yourself, no, 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 David, don't do that. He's a case study in grace of God. He's a case study in that God's not looking for those who have it all together. He's looking for those that are willing to be used. And I think the most telling thing to me about David, the greatest compliment that David could have ever been given is the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. That's powerful. If there's anything that someone could give me compliment-wise, it would be, man, he don't have it all together. Man, he has done some stupid stuff. Man, there's times Gary does stuff and we don't do anything but shake our head. But man, he is a man after God's own heart. The things that are important to God are important to him. It's a powerful story, and we're going to be going through this. I've never done a character study in 22 years of preaching. I'm a topic preacher. We take topics. We explore them. I've never just taken a single person and broke them down, and I really wasn't sure how to go about doing that. I'm I'm sure you're probably supposed to do it in order their life and build. I'm not doing that because I wanted to preach the sermon I wanted to preach today. And so it's going to get a little bit out of order. We're going to start there today. I'm going to take you back in time next week. But I want to talk about the most famous story concerning David because I want to get it out of the way because it's the story that everybody knows when it comes to David. And it's a story that all of us can relate. And, of course, I'm talking about the story of David and Goliath. Here's David, little shepherd boy. He's going out to do his stuff. His brothers are off at war. Saul, who was the king at that time, is out at war, and the opposing army has this guy, Goliath. And Goliath was a bad dude. Anybody remember Andre the Giant? Has anybody seen the HBO documentary on Andre the Giant? If you have not watched that, you have missed out. They say that he would drink, that he would drink every single night. Every single night, Andre the Giant, he was so big, and I think he was only like 7'2", 7'3", only. Uh, He would drink 72 beers and a case of wine every single night. That's how huge he was. They said people hated traveling with him because he would drink till he passed out, and then you couldn't move him. 
So you had to wait till the next morning when he woke up to get in the car to get to the next show. As impressive as Andre the Giant was, Goliath, if you take the measurements in the Bible, was nine feet, six inches. In a day and time where they say the average Israelite was about five foot six. So he was literally almost double in size, the Israelites. Not only was he nine foot tall and six inches, he, he had a garment of clothing that the Bible goes into great detail about. He came out and he had this helmet on his head. They say that according to the measurements, weighed about 30 pounds. So think about that for a minute. Just a helmet on his head weighed 30 pounds. He's so big that the helmet on his head weighed 30 pounds. Man, that's incredible. It was basically a bronze bucket, if you will. He had a T-shirt on that essentially weighed about 150 pounds. A bronze-scaled coat. They say it weighed 5,000 shekels. It was like walking around literally with another person strapped to your chest. you got to be a big dude to walk around with armor. 30 pounds, 150 pounds. He would have these shin guards on his legs that they said probably weighed 15 to 20 pounds apiece. Now, he's carrying this massive walking stick made of bronze. Had a tip on it. It was a spear. They said the spear probably would have weighed for a man this size on average of about 30 pounds. He had, a, he had a huge sword. Matter of fact, later on in the Bible, as you're seeing it, you'll see, and we all know I'm not, I'm not giving you a spoiler, David beats Goliath. Afterwards, David keeps his sword. There's a time later on in the Bible where David is fleeing from Saul before David becomes the king. And one of the things he takes with him in his process of fleeing was a sword because he said there was none like it in all the land. Needless to say, Goliath was an intimidating man. So I want you to picture the scene with me. Every day, Goliath would walk out unto the army of the Israelites, the army of God. And he would challenge the Israelites. And here was his challenge. Why do we need to go to war? Why do thousands of people need to die as your army fights our army? Here's our deal. You send your baddest dude out to fight me, and winner takes all. That way one person dies, we end what could be a complicated and messy situation, if you will, very easily. And day after day after day after day, the giant Goliath would come out and taunt the Israeli army. You ever had any giants in your life that taunt you? You ever had any giants that get up every single day and they taunt you? And they tell you they want to go one-on-one -on -one with you? And because you're crippled with fear to stand up against those giants in your life, you basically do nothing in the process. You allow the giants the ability to get a bigger head and to brag more and to get more confident and to have more control over your life. I don't know what your giant is today, but here's the deal. I know you got a giant. Your giant might be some, some emotional issue you're dealing with. It, it, it might be depression. It's a giant. It might be your temper. It's a giant. You, you, your, your, your giant might be a, a physical giant. It might be your weight. It might be your health. It might be the person you said I do to 20 years ago. I don't know what your giant is today, but you do. There's not a person here today who doesn't have something in their lives that is literally taunting them and taking control. For many of you, your giant is your finances. And I, the more I get into finances, and we had this financial peace class, and by the way, so many of you have asked, yes, you can still sign up for the class today. That's it. How do I sign up for the class? You show up here at 4 o'clock. That's how you sign up for it. And they'll, David and Sierra deal with the headache of you not being disciplined enough to come the first time. Oh, did you say I did? But hey, 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 better to show up the second time and not show up. Because so many of you, the giant in your life is finances. No matter what your issue, you can trace it back to your finances. 
For some of you, your giant is an addiction. I don't know what the addiction is. See, we tend to think the big three, sex, drugs, alcohol, when we think addiction. Maybe your addiction is to gambling. Maybe your addiction is to spending money. Maybe your addiction is shopping. Maybe you're like me, and your addiction is food. I learned this week I'm an emotional eater. I've been eating really good for about three and a half months. It was an emotional week this week, and I ate a lot of queso, a lot of brownies, a lot of cookies, a lot of ice cream, and I masked the emotional stress in my life with this amazing thing called sugar. I feel horrible right now. I, I weigh every week. I told you I have a nutritionist and trainer, and I weigh every week. I gained 4.3 pounds this week, stress eating, feeling really sharp today, feeling really good. Feeling real confident in myself. I almost preached in sweatpants today. Yeah. Uh, man, the giant in your life. And, and here's the thing about giants. They don't go away. I literally want to take this microphone right now and smash it with a hammer. I hear it, so it's driving me crazy. The giants don't go away. They mock and they control and they love to cripple you. And you get up every day and you see the giant. You get up every day and you're worried about the giant. And that's what the Israelis did. They got up every single day and the giant came out and he made his taunt. He came out every day and he offered his challenge. And here's what's mind-boggling to me. The Israelites, the children of God, we're afraid. We're children of the living God. And we allow the hurts, habits, hang-ups, the emotional, physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, whatever giant it is that's attacking us, to have control in our life instead of fighting against that giant. And i got to make this very clear to you today. You will not beat a giant without fighting. Because here's the deal about a giant. The giant will not go away. You will not outrun your giant. You will not hide from your giant. You might temporarily, but eventually the giant is going to take control of your life. So an interesting thing happens in our story. The Israeli army's out there, and this guy sends his son to the battlefronts because he had other sons on the army. He told a little boy named David, he said, hey, and they say he probably wasn't that little. They say he was probably about 18 or 19 years old at this time. He said, I want you to take this food to your brothers on the battle lines. They've been out there many days, and I don't know what's going on with them. So David does as his father tells him to do. He shows up on the battle scene, and the battle is there. And while the, bat, the armies are standing there, he's walking through. All of a sudden, he hears Goliath get up and issue his challenge. He sees the fear in all the Israelis as the challenge is issued. He sees the crippling of the army as the challenge is issued. But unlike everybody else, David has a different response to the giant than everybody else in the army. David knows who he is. David knows who he serves. And David knows the power that he possesses within himself. And he says it'll be a cold day in hell before a giant gets up and has control in my life. That shows you right there, one person in the entire army, that shows you that it's very few that will have the testicular fortitude, if you will, to stand up and face your giants. But when you face your giants, it's life-changing. David lived a life of purpose and passion and fulfillment. David lived a life, it wasn't a perfect life, as we'll explore over the next couple of weeks, but he lived a life of victory, and I can't help but think it steamed back or stung back or stemmed back, excuse me, if you will, to the day that he decided, he said, I'm not going to be mocked by a giant. Aren't you in your life at a stage where you're tired of the giant of insecurity controlling you? Aren't you at a point in your life where you're tired uh, uh, of the, the, the giant of self-image controlling you? Aren't you at the point in your life where you're tired uh, uh, of the giant of uh, bad relationships affecting you? 
Aren't you tired of the point? Aren't you sick and tired of being sick and tired, having your finances control you, having your relationships control you, having your issues, your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups control you? Aren't you to the point where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and you're ready to stand up and face the giant in your life? Because here's the reality. If you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep hitting what you've been hitting. We're into March now, and so many of you about three months ago made New Year's resolutions. You were going to have 2020 vision because it was 2020. New year and new me, and it's going to be a new song. And woo! It's going to be a great year. 2019 sucked, and 2020 is going to be different. And now you're into March, you're like, 2020 sucks. Ain't it amazing how the flipping of the calendar didn't change anything because wherever you go, there you are? You kept doing what you've been doing. What's the definition of insanity? To keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and expecting a different result? You're shocked that your life's not changing, but the giant's mocking you and the giant's calling to you and the giant's telling you to come get you some and you're acting like you're afraid of the giant. Now, here's the thing about fighting a giant. It's scary. I don't want to lie to you today. Here's the thing about fighting the giant. The giant might get some punches in on you. Hey, here's the deal about a giant. A giant might even win some of the battles. They won't win the war, but they might win some of the battles. But you got to face that giant. You got to stare that giant down. But that's intimidating. I'm not a little guy. I'm six foot tall, 240 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. Not really, but it makes me feel good to say that. But I'm not a little guy. You roll up on me at nine foot tall and six inches. I'm a little guy. Scott Farley is not a little guy. Six, 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 whatever he is. Not as sexy as me, but close. He's got the long hair and all that crap that all you women dig. I get it. You need a boyfriend. Bad. You need more than that. I just brought her on as a client. I'm her agent. I'll be doing interviews later on. Any of you men interested? Listen, Goliath was three feet taller than Scott Farley. He wore armor that weighs more than I weigh. It wasn't going to be an easy victory, but somebody's got to bring him down. When the army wouldn't do it, the shepherd boy did. Somebody had to stand up to the giant, and he did. You say, well, how do we do that? Well, I think you can see so many examples. I don't even know that I'll get through them all today of what David did. And like I said, we're just going to freestyle here. But the first thing I notice as David says, you know what, I've had enough of this. He's not going to mock the armies of God. I'll fight. And the first thing he did was he focused on the solutions, not the problem. Don't miss this because this is going to be good preaching if a white boy is doing it. I've told you, I've heard some black ones shuck the corn before, but a white one's going to get to do it right now. And this right here is truth. If you don't listen to anything else I say today, this is truth. When you're facing a giant in your life, there comes a time you've got to focus on the solution and not the problem. Look what he said. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace? Boy, the, the shepherd boy had a little bit of cocky in him. Removes this disgrace from Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You need to take that in context. It meant uncircumcised Philistine, which in this time they looked at as dirty and nasty. Who, who is this piece of trash that he should defy the armies of the living God? 
they repeated to him what had been what he had been saying. So they said, here's what he's been saying. Man, he's nine foot tall, six inches, 200-something pounds of armor. He says, if anybody wants to step out and go one-on-one -on -one with the great one, they'll take him on. We ain't doing it. They repeated to him what had been said and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Because Saul had issued great rewards for those who would, of the men who would step up. Great rewards, and they still didn't have the guts to step up. David shows up on the scene. He's there to deliver some fish, some bread, maybe a clean change of clothes to his brothers. The giant comes out, and the giant's mocking. And here's what all of Israel is doing. All of Israel is focused on the problem. The problem is the giant. The problem is he's big. The problem is he's bad. The problem is they're afraid of him. The problem is he's mocking them, but nobody's focused on the solution. The solution's real simple. Somebody needs to kill his ass. No, that's what they need to do. It's that simple. Some of you need to kill a giant. You're so busy focused on the problem, you don't focus on the solution. I heard the other day I'm at the gym, I'm on the Stairmaster, and there's this lady next to me, and she's got a trainer with her, and it rocked my world, what she was saying and what he was doing. She's complaining, I haven't lost any weight, I haven't done this, I, and I see the guy, man, he's in front of her, stair climber, he's in front of her, and I can tell in his mind he's rolling his eyes. He finally said, yeah, you haven't. He said, you haven't ate like I've told you to eat? You're not pushing yourself in the gym like I'm telling you to push yourself? He said, I wonder what would happen in your... This is what he said. This is what gave me the idea for this point. He said, I wonder what would happen if you quit focusing on what you already know, the fact that you're overweight, and you started focusing on the solution, which is what I've given you. Here's what she said. Listen, listen. This is what rocked my world. She said, I can't do this eating plan. I just get busy and don't think about eating. He was calm. This dude was a pimp. He said, I get it. He said, um, how often do you think about your, your weight and your health and how out of shape you are? She said, I think about it every day, all day. He said, so you're too busy to think about the solution. But you'll think about the problem all day long. He said, you might need to change what you're looking at. The Israelites are focused on the giant. Every day the mocking. Every day the fact that they might take a punch from him. Every day that they might lose to him. Instead of focusing on the solution, the solution is you go out there and you fight. You want your weight under control? You had the solution, but you're focused on the problem. You're focused on the fact that you're broke, have no money. Oh, my God, I have no money. We're broke always. We're robbing Peter to pay Paul. But you continue to focus on the problem every time you go spend money to eat out and every time you buy that new clothing you don't need or get your nails done that don't need to be done or get your hair done that don't need to be done or go golf that don't need to be golf. Instead of the solution, the solution is you put a plan in place to get your finances in order. You live like nobody else for one day you can live like nobody is but you'd rather bitch about the problem I deal with this with people with the with emotional issues man emotional issues and I want to be really really delicate here because I don't want to offend anybody I get it I know I'm serious I, I, I do not take those like like those are not type of issues that I necessarily struggle with. So sometimes I don't have necessarily the right heart in those things. I don't understand them sometimes. But here's what I've seen over and over and over. I see people that, are, that struggle with emotional issues. Something is off. If I'm using the wrong terminology here, I am not trying to be offensive, so please forgive me. But something is off chemically or imbalanced or whatever it is that causes that. You go to the doctor. The doctor puts you on the medicine that will balance that out in your life. And I can't tell you how many people I know that do that that aren't willing to take the medicine. You got the solution. 
but you won't take. I don't, I don't like how it makes me feel in these other areas. I, I don't like the thought of I need medicine to balance me out. Sometimes you need medicine to balance you out. Thank God that he gives doctors wisdom in that area. You focus on the problem instead of the solution. See, so many times the problem is just one thing. There's 20 or 30 solutions. But you focus on the one instead of the 20 or 30. I'll pick on myself again. I'm that way with my weight. Man, I focus on the fact that I'm overweight, the fact that I can't lose. I'm not losing weight. I focus on the problem nonstop. But I know the solution. The solution is, man, don't order those chicken wings and curly fries today. I know the solution. The solution is don't go get that bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit on Sunday morning. I know the solution. Instead of laying around doing nothing all day, actually get up with that time and go work out and do something. I know the solution, but I'd rather whine about the problem. I did that for years financially. Man, I don't have any money. I don't have this. I don't have that. I always said, you don't have a money problem. You've got a spending problem. If I just had more money, no, money just makes you more of what you already are. I I don't understand how these athletes go bankrupt. They just had another zero. You buy a $250,000 house, they buy a $2.5 million house. Same percentage, it's just more zeros. You act like if you made $5 million a year that you would live and sit back and live in a $250,000 house. You wouldn't if unless you know how to manage your money right. You'd spend more money. you get more debt. We focus on the problems in our life instead of the solutions. Ladies, you do that with your husbands. You focus on the one thing you don't like about them. And I'm not saying whatever it is you don't like about them is not valid. We're men, we get it. We're stinky, hairy, nasty, dirty. I get it everything you're fixing to say. Selfish, rude, boom. Gary Lamb, king. But you'll get to where you focus on the one thing you can't stand about him instead of the hundred great things about him. You'll get focused on the problem of what he does instead of the solution. Maybe the solution is, and I, I, I want to be careful, I'm not trying to put it all back on you, but maybe there's some things in your life you can do that'll make him realize the error in his ways. Let guys, same thing when it comes to her. We'd rather feel sorry for ourselves. That's our mentality nowadays. We are a whiny Self-loathing society. We joke all the time, my son, he's eight years old, Luke. Luke's a good kid. But Luke gets in trouble. Never when Luke gets in trouble. I cannot stress this to you enough. Never when Luke gets in trouble. Is it his fault, according to him? (laughs) Ever. Ever. Dad, yeah, that happened. Kid at school was blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Emily, blah, 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 blah. And Avery, blah, blah. Never. We don't want to take responsibility for anything. David looked at it and said, It's a giant. Kill him. He's living. He's breathing. I ain't never met anybody living, breathing, or anything living and breathing that can't be killed. It might be harder to kill it. And some of your giants might be harder to kill than other giants. But if it's living and it's breathing, it can be killed. You just got to be willing to kill it. You got to be willing to go to battle. You got to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. You got to get to the point in your life you're so disgusted living life the way you're living, being controlled by this giant, that you're willing to lay it all out on the line for the opportunity to defeat the giant. you got to focus on the solutions. you got to focus on the things that you can control. You can't control the problem. Let me say that again to some of you. You can't control the problem but you can control the solutions. You're focused on the problem when the solution's right there in front of you. 
You know the second thing I see that David did? And this is a huge one because I'm a big mind over matter. You've got to believe you can defeat the giant. You've got to believe you can defeat the giant. David said to Saul, now David has went up to Saul the king. He's a shepherd boy. And he said, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. That dude is ballsy. You know what David had that everyone else didn't have? He believed he could defeat the giant. He wasn't intimidated by the giant. Ten years ago, I lost everything. And I rebounded and I started over. And so because of that, there's, on a regular basis, we have pastors who've lost everything come through the doors of this church. And I've told Christine this a hundred times. I can tell within ten minutes of meeting them whether they're going to make it or they're not going to make it. Whether or not they're going to make it and survive it and rebound from it and let it shape them and let their mess become their ministry or they're going to allow their mess to defeat them. And it all goes back to whether or not they believe they can defeat it. If you believe it's the end, it's the end. If you believe your life is over because your marriage fell apart, your life is over. If you believe life is over because you're stuck in a dead-end job, you've got to believe you can defeat that giant. Listen, the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning has got to be belief. If you don't think you can beat that addiction, you'll never beat that addiction. It will kick your butt every single time. If you don't believe you can save your marriage, you'll never save your marriage. If you don't believe you can get your finances in order, you'll never get your finances in order. I can't believe the lies that we pump into our head, the BS that we pump into our head, the self-pity that we pump into our head. We surround ourselves with negative people. We surround ourselves with sorry, sorry, worthless people to make ourselves feel better about our inadequacies. You don't want anybody in your life telling you the truth because you don't like that. You don't want anybody in your life telling you you can do better because you don't like that. It's amazing the excuses we look for when it comes to people. Somebody the other day said, I didn't take that Dave Ramsey class because I don't, I don't, oh, that's tape falling from my ear. I'm like, what in the hell? thought my hair was falling out or something. I didn't know what that was. I was losing my mind up here. What was I talking about? Oh, the other day, I, I don't like just how, how straightforward and blunt he is with people. Okay. Whatever excuse you need not to listen to the truth. I can find negative in everyone. I've got a guy that I love to listen to, and I play his clips all the time. And every time I play, he, he doesn't have the cleanest mouth. His name's Gary Vanderchuk. And every time I play him, my wife's like, oh, my God. What are you? I, that's not how she talks, but I, only, I don't have a lot of impersonations. So, oh my God, what are you listening to? Why does he have to be so vulgar? I said, I ain't even noticed that he's being vulgar. I just heard the truth that he was spitting. I need that in my life. I'm, now, now you got to find the person in your life that can do I'm the type of person, I need someone in my face. You're not going to coddle me to do better. It doesn't work. I need you to tell me I'm an idiot. I'm worthless. I can do better. I don't have the. I need you in my face. That's the way I'm wired. But I need someone telling me, you can do this. You can believe it. You can overcome that giant in your life. But Gary, you don't know what it is in my life. This, this emotional issue, it's, it's, it's crippling. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. And you're not the first one to ever have it. You won't be the last one to ever have it. You find some people that have had it, overcome it, and thrived at it, and you let them pour into your life. I don't know anybody like that. You keep looking. They exist. This might find, you might find this surprising about me. I probably am as high on the spectrum of ADHD as they come. I know, shocker. And I hear people saying, I, I, I want to be successful, but you know, I have ADHD. I told Christina that I said, it's amazing to me how many podcasts I've been listening to recently of entrepreneurs, multimillionaires who are like, man, you know, growing up, I never did good in school. I never did because I was diagnosed with ADHD. And, blah, and all of a sudden, I just realized that was an excuse. And I learned how to harness that and get it tuned in. You've got to focus on your strengths and overcome that. So many of you'd rather make excuses on why you can't be a productive member of society. Cool. Guess what? 
I hate to be this way, your life don't affect me. But it breaks my heart seeing you affected. I think life is the greatest gift we could ever have. And you're wasting it. We're wasting our life over giants defeating us. Let me, let me stop here. That's not even true. The giant hasn't even defeated them. Goliath hadn't beat them yet. You're scared at the thought of the giant beating you. You ever heard the old saying, it's why they play the game? This team don't stand a chance. That's what's so amazing to me about sports. We were watching the, well, I was watching the fights last night on ESPN. And Christine was sitting there next to me and they were talking about this lady. And she was this, she was that, she's the next big thing and she's going to get this title shot. And they were basically not even talking about the opponent. To that opponent, Cocock turned her face and knocked her out in two seconds flat and it was all done. Even I said, man, this chick is bad. Look, I mean, you just see a chick, you're like, this chick just looks like she's going to whoop your tail. But they shined to the other girl, and the other girl wasn't that big. But here was the deal. No one told her she was supposed to lose. Mike Tyson said, everybody's a tough guy, or they get punched in the face. That girl was out. Like, her eyes were rolled back in her head from the punch. What would have happened if the whole time she's training, her coach been like, you can train, but you ain't got a chance. You ain't beating this girl. You're the sacrificial lamb. And really, to Dana White, she was. But no one told her that. Some of you, you, you haven't even been defeated by the giant. You're just not willing to fight. The enemy set up in your head and has convinced you you can't win. The enemy's convinced you that you can't have a productive life. The enemy's convinced you you can't be clean. The enemy has convinced you you can't have a good marriage. The enemy's convinced you you can't have a great relationship with your children. The enemy's convinced you you can't have a job that you love and love to go to and you thrive in. The enemy has just convinced you that you're going to lose. You know why he has to convince you that you're going to lose? Because he knows if you've got God in you, he can't win. If you decide to fight. He don't want to fight you. Satan knows he can't beat you. So his plan is, is to intimidate you before the bell rings. That's what he'd done to the whole nation of Israel. No one had been beaten by the giant. It always kills me. I, it's, it's just one of my pet peeves. I'm not the baddest dude in the world. I can fight a little, but I ain't like Billy Badass or nothing. But I, it, I've had some fights in my life. And I always am weird when people are like, Look at that, don't, don't mess with that dude, he's big. So? Like, what does that have to do with him being big? How much was that guy last night, Christy? 121 pounds. He was like a spider monkey. He beat the tarnation out of this dude. Like, we, we get intimidated because something's big. Problem with big people is they've never been punched in the face. I've shared this story with you before. I was in Panama City Beach one time intoxicated. I was about 18 years old. And I'm walking down the beach, and there's a couple coming this way, and the guy looked just like Brian Bosworth. I don't know who anybody remember Brian Bosworth. Brian Bosworth was this football player. had a very distinctive look. He looked just like Brian Bosworth, and he was with a girl. And I said, Bosworth, you know, because I was intoxicated. And uh, then the girl said something. She said, I'm from DeKalb County. I thought she said something very inappropriate about a cow and her and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you did what with a cow? Because I was intoxicated. I keep prefacing this story. And I'll never forget, I had a beer in my hand. These are stories that are not good stories, children. I'm just telling you from my past to make an example. I remember he reached in and crushed my hand and crushed the beer can. And he went back to hit me. He's about this tall. And I, 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 
I don't really know. I'd like to tell you I had this strategic move because I'm like Conor McGregor, but I'm not. I was really just intoxicated, and I guess this is just what popped in my head. So I jumped up and headbutted him <laughs> and knocked him out cold. Yeah. The next day, I ran into him. He put his arm around me, and was, he was intoxicated now. And he was telling everybody at La Vila, that's all you need to know about that story, La Vila. This guy knocked me out. I ain't ever been knocked out in my life. Like, I was just, but sometimes you just got to knock the giant out to get the giant in line. You got to believe you can defeat the giant. I told you there's no telling where we were going today. You got to believe it. I got to move on. The third thing I notice is you got to remember how good God's been in the past. You're going to fight this giant. You're acting like you can't defeat this giant. But God got you where you are today. I, I don't get worried about obstacles that come up in my life. because th there's, there's not much I do well. But I do this really well. I don't really get intimidated much by craziness of my life. Because I remember what God's done in my past. I remember where God's brought me from. I remember what God's brought me through in my youth. I remember what God's brought me through in my darkest point. You're worried about the giant, and you're intimidated by the giant, but this ain't your first rodeo. Some of you had some fights before, and you need to go back and remember where God brought you. Your marriage ain't looking good now. It ain't the first time your marriage ain't looked good. And God got you through it. This child that's got you pulling your hair out. You had two others that did the same thing. And look what God did in their lives. You're about to lose everything. You know how many times in my life I've about lost everything? A lot. And God gets me through it. David looks out and sees this giant. Everybody's scared of this giant. Look what he says. He's like, I'm about this giant. Saul said, you're not able to go out, Saul's the king, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And oh, by the way, those that are afraid to fight their giants will always discourage you from fighting yours. Holy smokes. Oh, you don't want to do that. You don't want to get your finances in order. Mm. That works when you're Dave Ramsey and you're a millionaire. I love my favorite thing. That, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. My favorite thing of the class last week, you know what I'm saying, don't you, Christine? Was everybody in the class making the excuses on why that would be hard or wouldn't work for them? That works great, but you don't know my situation. I'm the unique person. Ten million people have been through this class and it's worked for them, but I'm the one that, that won't work for me. I was sitting there, it's just like, I'm not teaching the class. I'm not teaching the class. I'm not teaching the class. Shut up. Shut up. Got any more of that candy you were passing out? Because I sure would like one of them airheads right now to eat on where I could have the, the, the toffees, just the gooiness, keep my mouth shut. You know what I mean? Man. Yeah, you're too young. Hey, Saul, you're the freaking king. You should be the one out fighting him. If you go back to when Saul became king, he became king based on one thing and one thing only. He was the most physically gifted person in Israel. He was the biggest, the baddest, the toughest dude around. And he's too scared to go fight Goliath. Now this young shepherd boy wants to fight him, and he's trying to discourage him. I wouldn't go chase your dreams. I wouldn't quit my job and go do that. I did that one time and it didn't work. Guess what? I started a lot of things in my life that didn't work. And I've started a lot that did. You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. He has been a warrior from his youth. But check out David. David was stone cold killer. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it down and rescued the sheep from his mouth. When it turned on me, Dave was like, you think I'm worried about this joker? I fought a lion and a bear. 
He said, when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it down and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, this piece of crap, Gary Lamb version, will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. And then he, it's not David being cocky. Look what he says then. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. He said, you think I'm worried about this nasty, dirty giant? You think I'm worried about this drug addiction? I remember when God delivered me from alcohol, and God delivered me from that, and God delivered me from this. You, you think I'm worried about the fact that right now, man, hey, I don't know that I'm going to make the mortgage. I remember when I was three months behind on the mortgage. One month behind is easy. God got me through it. You think I'm worried about the fact me and my spouse are not clicking right now? I don't like that we're not clicking right now. But I remember when we were on the verge of divorce and we were separated and weren't even living together and God came along and brought us back together. You think I'm worried about what that jabroni says about me on social media? I remember when I was on the front page of the paper and was public enemy number one in this town and God brought me through that. Sometimes you got to go back to yesterday to remember God's going to get you through today. This ain't the first giant you faced. Quit living in fear. God is God. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The hairs on your head are numbered. He said, if I care that much about the lilies of the valley and the little birds, how much more do I care about you? We serve an awesome God, a delivering God, a providing God, a good God. He's a God of second and third and fifth and 1,000 chances. Hey, baby, you need to go back and remember where God's brought you. Man, you're living in fear. And God's like, this ain't our first time together. I got you. Breathe. Chill. Man. I get it scary. I get it. It gets intimidating. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We serve a big God today. We serve a good God today. We serve an on-time God today. You're worried about the giant. You need to go remember all the times God got you through everything. Someone about two weeks ago said, man, I struggle with suicidal thoughts. And I said, man, that's rough. And they were asking me, and I said, man, I, they were asking me, had I ever done that? I said, no, I haven't, and I can't relate. And I was talking to them. And I said, man, how do you overcome that? And I think they were trying to be funny, but they were very serious. They said, I just remember I tried to kill myself twice and God didn't let me. So it ain't going to work this time either. You got to go back. You don't see God's plan in the mess, but God's got a plan. But you got to stand up to the giant. Standing up to the giant puts you in the minority because the entire nation of Israel wouldn't do it. But the shepherd boy was, he was just dumb enough or just had just enough faith. Fine line between faith and foolishness. I love to walk it all the time. You've got to remember God's been good. Let me tell you something. There's times in my life I get stressed. There's times in my life I get intense. But I'll tell you, it don't last long. Because I can tell you story after story after story of where God's brought me in 43 years. I am an example of God protects idiots. I, I'm not worried about it. Hey, the next thing we need to do, man, I, I tell you, I got lost. So this is just random things. You, I, I like this part. This part really spoke to me this week. You got to be secure in who you are. Saul looks at David and says, man, God be with you. Go fight. But look what he says. Then Saul dressed David 
in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he had not used them. He was not used to them. I can't go in these, he said to Saul. I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, stream, put them on a pouch in his shepherd's bag, and with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Picture the scene with me. Remember I told you Saul is the most physically gifted person in the land. He looks at David and says, if you're going to fight, at least wear my armor. My armor's the best armor there is. David puts the armor on. The armor's too big for him. He's not used to fighting with that armor. He says, this ain't going to work for me. He had to go back to what he knew worked for him. He beat a bear and beat a lion with a slingshot and a staff. You don't get any armor out in the field being a shepherd boy. He picked up five stones. Oh, by the way, he only needed one. You say he didn't have the faith? I don't know. You know, later on the Bible says that Goliath had four brothers. A lot of people believe he picked up those stones knowing he'd need them later on. I don't know. Here's the problem with some of you fighting. You're trying to be something you're not instead of being who God made you to be. You're trying to fight a battle like Gary Lamb would fight a battle. You're not Gary Lamb. You're trying to fight a battle like Janice Kennedy would fight a battle. You ain't Janice Kennedy. Now, don't get me wrong. I've got to be careful how I word this. I believe in the power of prayer. I'm a pr- I like to pray. I believe in prayer. She's a prayer warrior. That's her gifting. I can't go into a battle 24-7 praying. It's not how I'm wired. I can't go into a battle, fight a battle like Christine does. Christine can't go into a battle and fight like I am. You need to figure out who you are, your gifting. God made you to be you. We don't need another blank. We need the first you. We, we don't need another whoever did. That's, man, look up to people, learn from people. How many of you like chicken? I love chicken. How many of you like fried chicken? How many of you like baked chicken? How many of you like Cajun chicken? Roasted chicken? Grilled chicken? Mm, chicken. How many of you actually like to eat chicken bones? Anybody? Chew them up. I'm talking about eating a chicken bone. Nobody? Oh, that's right, because when you eat chicken, you eat the meat and throw away the bones. You need to learn from other people what applies to your life and throw the part that doesn't apply away. Learn from other people, but quit trying to be like other people. David knew, I can't go to battle like that. I know how I got to go to battle. I, I, I went into a new business venture recently, and the guy wanted me to come on and be a promoter, and, I, and when I met with him, I said, I said, I need you to understand something. I said, I have one way that I go about promoting events. And I gave it a lesson. This is how I do it. Bam, 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 bam. It's tried and true for me. It's what I do. Well, why are you telling me that? I said, because if you want me to do it another way, it's not going to work for me. If you want me to do it in a nice way, it's not going to work for me. If you don't want me to go to war with all of our competition, that's not going to work for me. If you're not going to allow me to be loud and arrogant and cocky and boastful, that's cool. I get that's not everyone's cup of tea, but that's me. And I can't be something I'm not. He said, I want you to be you. Game on. When you go to face the giant, you've got to figure out what way works for you in facing the giant. You've got to use your strengths and eliminate your weaknesses. We all have different strengths. That's why we're the body. I'm not going to stay much on that one. But I mean, you've got to be secure in who you are. You look at your gifting sometimes and you think you don't have the proper gifting because you're comparing your gifting of A to so-and-so's gifting of C. Two different stories. God made us all different. That's what's so great about the kingdom of God. Everyone don't need to handle situations like I would handle it. Can you imagine how the world would be? be bad. Everyone doesn't need to handle situations like my father-in-law does, Jesus Christ. Could you imagine how the world would be? Everyone also doesn't need to handle every situation the way Janice Candy handles. Can you imagine how the world would be? It takes all kinds. Because you're uniquely gifted to face the giant in your life. 
David knew he had the tools to face that giant. All he needed was a shepherd's staff, a sling, and some stones. Last of all, I'm done. You've got to fight the giant to bring glory to God. Whatever giant it is and everything that we do, every aspect of our life should be to bring glory to God. You want to be successful? You want to be a millionaire? There's nothing wrong with wanting to be a millionaire. What are your motives for wanting to be a millionaire? Is it to bring glory to God? You want to build a great business? You want to have a great marriage? You want to have great children? What are your motives? Your motives always ought to be to bring glory to God. We must decrease. He must increase. God's giving us a platform to build where we can make him famous. Look what he says. David said to the Philistine. Now, David's in front of him now. The giant's mocking him, by the way. When you get ready to fight, let me tell you something about a bully. He'll run that jaw, boy. When you get ready to fight that giant, it's going to come stronger than ever. You get ready to fight that addiction, that needle's going to come real strong, talking smack. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. All those gathered there will know that it is not by my sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it all into your hands. He came along and said, I'm about to whoop your tail in the name of Jesus. I'm about to feed your carcass to the enemy in the name of Jesus. Never once he said, I'm going to do it where I get glory. He said, I'm going to do it where God gets glory. What would happen if you got your finances in order and God got the glory? What would happen if your marriage that everyone knows is about to fall apart all of a sudden got restored and it gave God the glory? What about that child that you enter is in open rebellion and you're broken hearted over and everyone all of a sudden came back to God because you fought that giant and God got the glory of it? You're fighting for the wrong reasons so many times. You're fighting for self-indulgence. You're fighting for self-satisfaction. You're fighting to feed your own ego instead of fighting to make sure God gets lifted up. You got to fight. <laughs> and I'm done right here and we're going to go home. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly to the battle line. Let me tell you something, you ought to run to the giant. You can run from the giant, but guess what? He ain't going nowhere. You're avoiding the inevitable. You got to fight that SOB. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sunk into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and he killed it. Guess why he finally killed the giant? Because he decided to fight it. Guess what didn't happen the next day? The giant didn't get up and mock him. Guess what didn't happen the next day? The people didn't live in fear anymore. Now, don't miss this. I told you. He had four more brothers. Just because you killed one giant don't mean there won't be more. But guess what there wasn't? There was no longer five. There's no magic cure. There's always going to be a giant. My wife and I had a closure today, if you will, of about 18 months of our life. And we said something last night that kind of um, made us chuckle because we know it's utter we said man I, matter of fact I actually feel like I jinxed this let me knock on some wood man it's going to be nice for life to get back to normal there is no normal at Casa de Lamb I'm hoping for about three days of rest before the next giant comes. But he's coming. But guess what? He was coming either way. So luckily we got one out of the way. You got to fight giants. Here's my only wish for you as your pastor. This is, I want you to live the life you were created for. I love life. I love it. 
I get up every day, man, loving life. I have more fun asleep than most people have awake. I do. I love life. I'm talking about when life is horrible. I love life. I love it. Because, man, I'm not ready to be dead yet. Don't get me wrong. I know I'm going to be in heaven, but I ain't ready to chill up there. I feel like I've got to be on good behavior there. I, I love life. And I want you to feel the same way. But you can't love life and live the life you were created for being crippled by giants. So I don't know what your giant is today, but you do. You do. You know what it was. So I want you to focus on the solutions, not the problems. Believe you can defeat the giant. Remember how good God has been. Be secure in who you are. And I want you to remember you're fighting that giant to bring glory to God. I don't know what the giant is, but I know you can beat it. Let's pray.